2: Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Hi. Hi, everybody. We're back. We're back on the long-distance chat. We are. We are indeed. It's definitely more difficult for me and for both of us, I would think. But you know what? We are uh, dedicated to getting the stuff out. (laughs) Yeah, and we're working on
3: trying to make sure the sound and everything is – up to quality. I know that last episode it wasn't really, but yeah. I think just like everyone else, this whole thing happened fairly suddenly. Like that sounds yep. weird to say because we knew it was coming, but yeah. when you really look at the timeline of it, like last week, like last Saturday I was still planning on having like a birthday party. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the way that this moved so quickly to now being on like full lockdown. I mean, last time we recorded in person, we had totally planned on continuing meeting to up again in person
2: yeah so yeah you you'd mentioned to me like oh maybe you could take your microphone next time but then i ended up picking it up before but i gotta say i was facetiming with my friend lauren today who's a big fan of our show and she said thank you to both of us for keeping it going so <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah we're trying our best over here i know yep. it's tough
2: we are all right everybody we are going to be talking about the irish slave myth today now yes. keegan This is something that I think both of us were aware of before we started doing this uh, research for this episode. Uh, What is your experience with hearing about the Irish slave myth, Keegan? Okay.
3: So I actually have an anecdote about this and it's part of the reason why I wanted to do this episode. And I know that we probably should have done this one last week instead of this week because we yeah. really wanted to do it around St. Patrick's Day because this is something that I feel like comes up every single St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, it really does. Uh, but I remember distinctly having like a full-on argument when I was 18 with this Irish-American man Boy, really, we are both like teenagers uh, about this subject, and he was adamant to me, yeah, that the Irish had been slaves in colonial America and that they had been treated far worse than African slaves. Um, and he was using this information. It was very clear to me that he was using this information as a weapon. Like he was weaponizing yeah. this information. Um, and there is always this undercurrent when people are talking to you about this of like, well, we had it just as
2: bad as black people and you don't hear us complaining.
3: Or like worse. Like we yes. had it
2: worse and you don't hear us complaining. Yeah. Yes, and that's yes. something that I remember hearing it probably when I was around the same age. I don't think I remember hearing it growing up necessarily, but I feel like I remember hearing it – in my late teens, early 20s, and I remember people saying, oh, well, the Irish were slaves too. And the, the people that told me about it weren't necessarily saying I don't think that they were treated worse than the African-American slaves. And I think I do remember learning about the Irish indentured servants in college. So I think I did have an understanding that they weren't uh, slaves per se, But I do, you know, ever since I did hear that, I've seen it a lot online. I've seen a lot of people um, post about it. I hear about it on St. Patrick's Day a lot Mm -hmm. as well. Um, I think it's something that's really come into uh, popularity again, kind of in the 2010s online. Right. Definitely. We're going to talk about that a lot. Yeah. Um, There's a
3: reason why we didn't hear about it as much growing up. It became yeah. more popular. So when I was 18, that was probably like around 2008 or so. And that I feel like is kind of when things started ramping up with this myth. We started seeing these memes go around. And of course, uh, that became more and more prevalent and prominent into like the 2010s. I feel like yeah, is when and things really ramped up.
2: Yeah. And it's really upsetting um, to – people in Ireland as well because it is kind of they do have a history of some rough times and they really right. they there are real things that these people went through and there is a real you know tragedy in Irish history and when we're bringing up this myth it is also it's kind of taking away from uh, the actual history of Ireland. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, I want to talk about the history a little bit of sending over the indentured, the indentured servants and kind of what that means and a little bit of what they did go through during this time and then go on to speaking a bit about the myths and how damaging it is.
3: Yes, absolutely. Let's do it.
2: All right. So it was really during the 17th century where tens of thousands of Irish immigrants uh, were wanting to get out of Ireland. Things were not really... Uh, going so great in Ireland during this time. Um, the English were also trying to colonize over there. Um, they were not really living great lives. And so they wanted to find new lives for themselves in the new colonies, especially. And so, this
3: was not an unusual thing at all. There were a lot of people, impoverished people in particular of many different nationalities who decided to emigrate to the United States or to the Americas rather in the 17th and 18th centuries. Um, And a lot of people who were coming over of their own volition deciding to travel to the United States, they were able to do so because they had means and because they had money. And so if you were looking for a better life or trying to emigrate to the Americas during that time and you didn't have money, there were really very few options.
2: Yeah, exactly. And one of the most popular options was indentured servitude. You know, they would sign up for this. Uh, which, and that would give them passage to the new colonies. They would be, you know, they didn't have a choice on where they got to go. They would be set up with an employer, uh, with a plantation or wherever they were meant to be working. Uh, they really didn't have a say and they would typically have contracts that would go from about two to seven years. Um, and then once that contract was up, they were free to go. Some were even paid, um, passage home if they wanted to go home. Um, and they were legally human beings still. They were treated very badly, but they were still legally human beings where right. slaves were not legally human beings when they came yes, to the colonies. Yes. And
3: I, I do think it is important to point out because inevitably there will be people who point out that there were some people who were forced into indentured servitude. So, But those people were
2: also like- prisoners. Exactly. Yeah. It Um, wasn't
3: entirely necessarily their choice to emigrate to the United States and be an indentured servant, but it was typically either a contract, like the one that you just brought up, as in they made a decision to do this thing, or if it wasn't their decision, uh, sometimes it was used as like criminal punishment. They would be sent to the colonies. But again, it was indentured servitude. So unlike institutionalized chattel slavery, indentured servitude was not hereditary and it was not lifelong. Those are some of the big differences between what we saw in the transatlantic slave trade with Africans coming to the Americas is that they, one, they were not considered human beings. They had no legal rights. Uh, their slavery was hereditary so it was passed on to their children generation after generation uh, and it was for their entire lives. Yeah. Which is not the same thing that you're seeing with indentured servitude. But all that is to say uh, – all that is not to say that indentured servitude was easy or no. not a difficult way to live because it yeah. absolutely was. And in, and in some instances, it was pretty brutal.
2: Oh, yes. I mean, and the I've read – I read a great book – called The Orphan Train years ago. And it was about an orphan from Ireland who was transported to Minnesota actually. And uh, she was in, in an indentured servant and she was treated horribly. And these stories, they really are very harrowing. And the thing is, is that we would be telling these stories I feel like more often and it would be more talked about if we didn't have this really ugly myth Hanging above it, where we're not trying to compare it to slavery, we're saying this very separate thing happened to these people, right? And two but,
3: terrible things can exist, right? Yes. Like both of these things they're awful, they're horrible, they're not good ways to live. And there were children yeah. involved, you know, oftentimes yes. political prisoners or people who had children. Uh, well, they- and this was
2: my And this was my question because, like you just said, it was political prisoners, There were felons, and then I I also saw the word undesirables a lot in my notes. They got rid of any, quote, undesirables. And and I was wondering what that meant. I don't know. I don't know. Do you think it was like things like rumored sexuality? Do you think it was things like, you know, I'm just trying to think of what undesirable would be seen as during this time? Yeah, I... I don't know Poor people. In, I
3: don't know. <laughs> in my brain, I guess I feel like in the 17th century, it's possible, especially with all of like the political unrest between Ireland and England, that maybe it has something to do with um, treasonous individuals or people who are trying to stir up. But that any would be like of- a
2: political. Prisoner, wouldn't it? I don't know. Well, I just found that interesting. Yeah,
3: it is interesting, and I don't know. So, if any listener knows exactly what that means in what a historical an undesirable
2: context, is, yeah, yeah,
3: in a historical context, that would be really, really awesome to to hear about and find out.
2: Yeah. So we were just um, talking about how the treatment really was uh, so horrible, and the thing is, is that there were no policies for these contracts regulating an employee's control over their. Sorry, their employers control over their employees. So there wasn't anything regulating how an employer is supposed to treat their employee, and that led to a lot of abuse and mistreatment. And if a servant ran away, there would actually be paper. There would be ads in the papers um, giving descriptions of the servant that ran away and what they look like to chase them down. And I read a bunch of them, and there was actually a lot where it was like two brothers, you know, eight and eleven last seen wearing this. And it's, it's interesting um, because they did have to complete their contract. They would want to run away because they were being treated badly, but they had to finish their contract. Right. Yeah. And
3: obviously that's terrible. And yeah, you're exactly right when you say that it makes these things kind of difficult to talk about because you do want to point out that this awful thing happened in history to this group of people. And I do think that very often we forget, especially now in the United States because we're all immigrants for the most part. Mm -hmm. We lump all white people in together because nowadays white people receive white privilege. White people yeah. are just white people. But we forget that there was a point in history when Irish people weren't necessarily considered equals to that of right. other people or Italians. You know, there were yeah. groups of people who we now consider to be white people who were mistreated in the but early the days is, of this is country. That,
2: like, I... But I don't have any sort of uh, generational damage because of that. Like my my Irish family was one of the first uh was in probably in one of these because it was one of the first ships that went over to the colonies mm-hmm. and we were illiterate. We didn't have we couldn't read or write or anything like that. So I'm sure that my ancestors came over and were indentured were indentured servants, but there's no generational trauma here. Like there's nothing that we are having to cope with as a community. We are not still um Being abused and harassed by people because we're Irish is a different reality than uh, the African-American slaves, because I feel like, uh, you know, we talk a lot with you speak a lot about the generational trauma with African slavery that the Irish don't really deal with.
3: Right. And there's. A very good reason for that, and we've already addressed partially that reason, is because it was not hereditary. So it wasn't something that you could pass on to your children. It was like you would serve your time, it would be brutal, but then after that, uh Typically, it wouldn't go on. You could go on and kind of create your own life. And in addition to that, you also had certain rights as human beings that black people did not have. Like when you're treated as a subhuman, it's a different kind of uh, trauma that's inflicted upon you and your family. So for instance, while a lot was permitted and a lot of very like harsh, uh, brutal, um, Punishments were given for indentured servants. There was mm-hmm. technically legal recourse, like you could actually file an action against your um, y- your indentured servant
2: master, whoever that person yeah, was, <laughs> the yeah, person
3: yeah. Uh, who was your your master. I mean, it would have
2: been it would have been hard to fight because of you know they're not having real policies um, against it, but yeah, they did have the right to. Uh, you know,
3: right? But for instance, what's happening to them. Yeah,
2: for instance, if you
3: killed your indentured servant, you could be tried for murder, and you probably would be tried for murder because even though, yes, this is an indentured servant, and this is not somebody who. Is considered as much of a person as maybe yeah. somebody of a higher status. They are considered a human being, and so if you killed, if you were punishing them and you whipped them too hard and they died, uh, you could be tried for murder in that case. Whereas if you were, if you were to kill an African slave it wouldn't be murder and in fact there yeah. wouldn't be any punishment really at all outside of was this your property or not you know yeah. what i mean uh, Definitely. because it would be loss of property not loss yeah. of life and i think that that's a massive difference and i think that is a
2: massive difference we
3: have to be careful when using words like slave because it invokes a certain kind of
2: it does but idea. something but something that i read online was that in in Ireland and in some other european countries it mean saying slavery means something different to what used to be the american colonies or to the caribbean and in that er- and in that area because we had multiple different types of you know slavery, indentured servitude, servants, things like that. They were saying that sometimes in other countries in literature, they will use the word slavery because it is coerced labor. Right. And But the thing is, is that exactly what you just said. We have a certain idea of what that word means being in the United States or in Canada and North America. When you say slavery, we immediately think of it as being like the African-American slaves.
3: Right. Well, In truth, the word slavery actually, I mean, it is coerced labor. Anything that is coerced labor can be considered slavery. Um, From ancient Rome, anything that was considered coerced labor, we use the word slavery for even into modern day sex trafficking. We still use the word slavery because it is this uh, coerced labor. But the meaning of that has changed. And the only reason why you would use it in the modern day context that we are seeing across social media and in these memes is to undermine the gravity of the transatlantic slave trade. Like That's what's happening. Exactly. It's like no one is trying to erase your hardship or make it seem as though it wasn't as bad as it was. What we're trying to prevent is the erasure of this absolutely horrible thing that happened. And this erasure is happening because people are trying to dismiss their own participation or their ancestors' participation in something as horrific as what happened in the United States.
2: Yeah. Uh, Nobody wants to say that their ancestors were slave owners. You know what I mean? Right. I think that's totally true. Yeah. Um, A lot of transports came over to the colonies during the rule of Oliver Cromwell. He sounds like he was a real dick. He was the one that was pretty much kicking everybody out of Ireland. Um, And by 1640, Irish settlers made up of half of the population uh, of the Virginia region. And the travels were really, really rough. On a trip to Barbados once, uh, they lost... 23 uh, percent of the ship to sickness by the time they got to arrival okay so obviously another you know, really big reason for trying to kick everybody out of I- ireland was religious persecution um at the time irish catholics were considered inferior because of their religion and their religion was used to justify treating them poorly so because they were catholic you could treat them poorly um Which is something that I feel like went on for a really long time. It went on for a really long time. And it's interesting. I knew somebody who went to a Catholic uh, mission in Ireland a couple years ago. And I remember thinking that was really bizarre. And I spoke to a friend of mine who actually, if they had royalty still in Ireland. She would be a princess technically, which I think is super cool. I feel like you've talked about her on this podcast before. I have because I think it's super cool. So I asked her about it and she was like, yeah, because – like, the nation turned Protestant. It's very, very Protestant. So Irish people still to this day are trying to make uh, Catholicism more present in Ireland, which is interesting because Irish Catholics here are crazy. Like, they're everywhere. Right. You know? I feel like most Irish Americans that I
3: know are Irish Catholics. So yeah. So, like, Anthony's family is Irish Catholic. Yep, same. Your family is Irish Catholic. Like, I feel like yep. that's, that's the norm here.
2: Yeah. And um, because of that too. Like if they were if they were to come over to the American colonies, there was still kind of some like weirdness about it. And especially in Ireland, um, they were given like special restrictions because they were Catholic. Um, legislators in Nevis passed an act to prevent Roman Catholics from uh settling on the island or hold public office in seventeen oh one. And authorities in Barbados required the Irish to take an oath of aberration before voting or holding office. So like they really weren't given any sort of like They weren't like, you can't stay. (laughs) Like You can come here and work for us, but like we don't want you to stay here, you Irish Catholics. So, of course, we talk about them coming to the American colonies. That's something we know very well. But they also went to Barbados and Leeward Islands. So in Barbados, there was this huge sugar boom going, and they really needed a lot of laborers. So that began the gradual shift where white indentured servants uh, and black slaves started being sent over to Barbados.
3: Right. And when I, and when I hear about the, Irish slave myth very often it's first of all it's an almost exclusively American phenomenon. It is mm-hmm. not something that it exists in Ireland or in other parts of Europe really which should tell yeah. you a lot uh, should tell
2: you everything
3: everything It's mostly people in the United States insisting that this was a thing that happened but when I hear them talking about it very often they are talking about the colonial United States uh, that yeah. this happened in. And really, a lot of the Irish indentured servants that I saw in my research were ones who went to the Caribbean, uh, Barbados, like those yeah. areas. And that's really where a lot of this brutality took place. Like where yeah. um, there was there was truly a lot of brutality. And I think actually in the in Barbados in those areas is where a lot of criminals were sent. Uh, is something that like I had read. So yes, I think they same. justified in treating them even worse than- Because the they were criminals. Had come over uh, voluntarily and and entered into these indentured servant contracts voluntarily. Precisely.
2: Yeah. And you're right when you say that there were so many people that were sent to Barbados and Leeward Islands. Um, in 1638, there were roughly 2,000 indentured servants and 200 African slaves. 15 years later, there were about 8,000 indentured servants and 1,000 free Irish Men. So we're starting strange. to strange
3: tipping. Yeah, isn't it strange though that so many like Irish Americans in the United States have used this to as a weapon against African Americans? When really, it's like, if anything, we have a common history that should bind us together more than anything well, else. Because it's like, yeah, yeah I, I mean, it's not the same indentured servitude it's and chattel slavery is not the same, but for a very brief period of time,
2: my people and your people experienced similar hardships. And they worked together. And they worked together. Yeah. You know, that's the thing is they were on the same field. So what's funny enough is that, uh, the 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 plantation owners in Barbados and Leeward Islands, especially, were like we really hated the indentured servants from Ireland because they were horrible workers. The black slaves were much better workers, and I'm like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. We we'd be like, can we get some whiskey, some beer? Yeah, we're tired. We, it's we want to go
3: to the pub. Like I don't Uh, know if you can tell, but I have red hair and very delicate skin. If you could get very and
2: and freckles, (laughs) and they would just be getting into fist fights on the fields. Like that's what I'm picturing when I'm thinking of like my family. Do you have any sunscreen? Yeah, like a big hat, (laughs) you know, things like that. So in by 1660, there were about a thousand more African slaves on the island than there were Europeans. So from 1638 till 1660, so for almost 30 years or so, we're starting to see a shift in indentured servitude becoming less and less, and African slavery becoming more and more. Mm -hmm. So uh, during the initial stages of sugar production, like we said, it was the black slaves and the Irish servants working side by side, but by 1660, the white servants were used for like certain skilled jobs or for supervisory roles, and the black slaves would be doing the hard manual labor. Um, And like you said, the people, the plantation owners in Barbados were especially known to be really, really cruel. Um, And it is said that 10,000 Irish were sent voluntarily and 40,000 came as Unvoluntary um, indentured servants, like you said, most likely because they are prisoners of some sort and things like that. So yeah, they weren't getting probably the most quality workers in the world. <laughs> probably a little lazy. So the other, I keep mentioning Leeward Islands and I don't know if anybody refers to them as Leeward Islands anymore, but it's Antigua Mont, Montserrat. Is that how you say it? Mont Montserrat? I'm, I'm gonna not ma- sure. I'm going to say Montserrat. That honest. sounds better. And Saint Kitts. I know the th- I know the other three. I don't know Montserrat. So there, they lived materially impoverished lives. But there were also Irish people on Leeward who were of affluent merchant families who had servants of their own. So there were actually people who came there willingly from Ireland who then hired their own servants. So it wasn't like in Barbados where if you were Irish, you were treated badly and you were just an indentured servant. Right. Right.
3: So I've seen after. So once this started to uh, pick up steam, this myth, so a lot of historians or people who are trying to debunk this myth, they point specifically to about 2014, because 2014 is when the Black Lives Matter movement really started taking off. Uh, it was the year of like uh, the deaths in uh, Ferguson, the riots in Ferguson, Freddie Gray, like It was a couple years after uh, Tamir Rice or... But it was around this time when the Black Lives Matter movement really started kind of like picking up steam. And that is really when we started to see a resurgence of this myth in popular culture, on social media... So a lot of historians are people who are trying to debunk this myth, which, by the way, are a lot of Irish historians, are the people who Yeah, we're going to
2: mention, I'm going to mention Liam Hogan a
3: lot. Yes, (laughs) yes. Liam Hogan is a big one. You can find a lot of interviews with him. He also, I think, wrote maybe like a Medium article as well uh, about this subject. But a lot of these historians, people trying to debunk this myth, specifically- (laughs) Leon Hogan, actually, he specifically pins a 2014 resurgence of the Irish slaves narrative to increasing racial tensions within the United States, which... As we know, 2014 was kind of the rebirth or the birth, actually, Mm -hmm. the birth of the Black Lives Matter movement in large part due to uh, police brutality, instances of police brutality that we saw escalating here in the United States. So that was whenever the unrest in Ferguson was going on, uh, Tamir Rice, Freddie Gray, all of that stuff was kind of coming to a head in 2014. And uh, Hogan specifically pinpoints this year as a reason why these memes started kind of like taking off and taking over the internet, yeah. uh, as a way of white Europeans, um, trying to find a way to one, absolve themselves of blame for the transatlantic yeah. slave trade and two, to kind of absolve themselves from the lasting effects of that, which would be kind of like the unrest between black America and police, uh, and the way that black Americans are treated in this country, so they would make these memes these absolutely ridiculous memes, which there's a good New York Times article debunking this myth mm-hmm. uh, that Madigan actually sent me last week, and that's that's the kind of the biggest article that I like to keep in my back pocket for whenever people want to uh, try and point to this as a thing that's happened, uh, but you can find exactly. a lot a lot of these memes in that uh, ad or in that ad that article, and they 'll yeah. debunk why these memes aren 't true, and so very often in these memes, what they 're doing is they 're taking atrocities that happened to black people uh, during the transatlantic slave trade and trade them out for uh Irish people, and yeah. then they 'll also say things like well, all of this stuff happened to us and you don't see us bitching about it. You don't see us uh, needing to riot in the streets. Exactly. And and one very specific atrocity that I saw, probably one of the more egregious uh, examples of this would be the 1781 Zong Massacre. So uh, that massacre, the 1781 Zong Massacre, was an event in which Irish slaves were thrown overboard off of a slave ship. And it was 130 African slaves uh, who were thrown over. And in these memes and in part of this myth is they will use the 1781 Zong Massacre, but they will substitute out the African slaves that were thrown overboard for Irish people and say that Irish people were the victims of this massacre. And not only will they do that, but they will also increase the number. So it was 130 African slaves that were thrown overboard. Uh, but in a lot of these memes and a lot of these texts and a lot of these subreddits, etc., they will say it was 1,300 Irish Slaves or Irish yep. people. Yeah, they added a zero. Mm-hmm. And Infowars actually uh, spread this information. Uh, Alex Jones of Infowars spread this info information uh, across the internet. And yeah, his
2: reach is so insanely. Um, long. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, I mean. There was one meme in particular that got 10,000 shares in just one day. There are some memes that have gotten 200, 3,000 shares. There's ones I've seen on Facebook. The one that I've seen a lot of is like the picture of the uh, child labor.
3: Which is weird Kids. anyway, because it's so clearly a photograph that was taken in the early 20th century. When Who
2: who was taking pictures in the 17th century is my question. Exactly. Maybe they're just using it. They could be like, oh, we're using it as representation. But no, they make it look like these are the children and they are like, you don't see us bitching anymore. Or it's like, I, I read one that was from the Whisper app, if you remember that one. It was like the yes. anonymous why aren't Irish Americans in an outrage? They were the first slaves and were treated worse than African-American slaves. <laughs> bet most people didn't even know that. Oh, honey. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, yeah. It, it,
3: look, and again, I just hate this misinformation because should we all be looking at child laborers, children who were having to go into mines in the early 20th century should we be looking at that and saying, like, yes, this was something awful that we should yeah. never repeat again? This never should have happened. Like completely. Yeah. But when you try and use an image from that event to try and push forth this absolute lie, yeah. it it undermines all of it. It makes all it does. of it like useless.
2: Well, And a lot of photos of Holocaust victims are used for these as well. And now before the memes were a thing, there were books and articles and texts that were written. And especially when it comes to the use of Holocaust victims, there's a book called They Were White and They Were Slaves, The Untold History of the Enslavement of Whites in Early America, which was self-published by a conspiracy theorist and Holocaust denier by the name of Michael A. Hoffman in 1993. He also blamed the Jews for the African slave trade. So that's fun.
3: Great. Um, His
2: book is super racist, and it tries to make it sound like the Irish slaves are treated worse than the African slaves. And this book was really popular with white supremacists, and most of these books are popular with white supremacists even to this day, which is crazy. There was a journalist named Sean O'Callaghan who wrote To Hell or Barbados, The Ethnic Cleansing of Ireland, and his book kind of continued Hoffman's ideas, but he introduced the concept that Irish women were forced to have children with African slaves to produce mixed babies who were seen as more valuable than pure Irish ancestry, which is a lie. If anything, most of the time, black African slaves, as we've spoken about many times on the show, were being raped by their white plantation owners. It wasn't typically, let's get these white Irish servants to sleep with our black slaves for mixed children like well, that
3: and if it was if there was any kind of deliberate breeding going on which i don't put it past anyone that that was something no, that of possibly course not. could have happened but it certainly wasn't because they were trying to increase the value of irish blood it wasn't like yeah. they thought that if they could mix irish blood with black blood then their blood would be more
2: valuable if anything it would It would devalue them, right? That's why I was very confused. Like none of that is making sense to me. Because also, like you know, when we were talking about colorism, we were talking about the lighter slaves being treated better. But that I don't see why a plantation owner would purposefully. You know, that doesn't make. There's nothing in that that makes sense to me, even in a twisted mindset of how they thought back then. I can't see where a plantation owner would employ
3: that. I just and again with. With indentured servitude not being hereditary, I don't understand what the lasting benefit would
2: be to no. to mixing because
3: – Making for
2: slaves? Because they would be a drop of black, then maybe there would be – But there's no reason why you would have to mix the Irish indentured servants with – Yes. I, I don't understand. All- to me, that's
3: that's completely pulled out of his ass. But again, I mean, this is the thing. If you examine any of these things closely at all under any kind of microscope, you will see how bullshit... It all is. I mean, they use all different kinds of um, historical documents that also never existed that they point to to say as proof of like, this is proof that this happened. And so many historians have spent so much of their time going through and being
2: like, you will never find this in any history book because it didn't happen. Well, and that's the thing is, but people say the reason it's not in history books is because people are biased and don't want to share that information. They're like, oh, they're trying to keep this part of history from us you know I mean, what i mean uh,
3: that's insane i i don't understand why they would do that in ireland
2: to what benefit yeah. Yeah, or in well, I think they mean in the U.S. I think they mean that they're not teaching it to us in U.S. textbooks because of that. Well, there is a lot of things that they don't teach us in school, so I can understand why people would say that. Right. But in this case, you're not going to find it not just in like your history textbooks, but in any sort of historical text because it's just it just didn't happen. Right. All of the
3: things that you're using as proof are fake. That's exactly right. For example, the proclamation of 1625, supposedly requiring all Irish prisoners to be sent overseas, did not exist. you will not find it in any textbooks here or in Ireland because it didn't happen. There yep. was a 1603 proclamation by James I ordering that, quote, rogues, vagabonds, idle, and dissolute persons be, quote, banished and conveyed to places and parts beyond the seas. Yeah. One, that's incredibly vague, and it says nothing of all Irish prisoners being forced to go and labor overseas. Uh, right, that's, exactly. That's not what happened, and it was it was a completely different time and proclamation. Um, it was used later on in the wake of the English Civil Wars as a justification to forcibly ship thousands of Irish prisoners to the Caribbean as uh, indentured servants. So it was used at some point, but it's when you start making up facts mm-hmm. that – everything else gets muddy. It's like we exactly. have to just stick to the facts because the text that they point to, that the one that doesn't really exist, it, exa- it exaggerates the number of people who were treated in that fashion uh, by quite a lot. So there were thousands that ended up coming over, prisoners during the English Civil War uh, from Ireland that they shipped over here to labor, like you said. Uh, but – These of these claims that they're making, they're saying that three hundred thousand Irish people were sent to the Americas, specifically to the Caribbean and Barbados, to be sold as slaves. Yeah, uh, which is simply. Not true. Not true. There is absolutely no proof that that ever happened. And they certainly weren't sold as slaves. They were indentured servants.
2: But these things are perpetuated because of people like Hoffman and this O'Callaghan, because Sean O'Callaghan's writings were repeated again and again on Irish genealogy websites, online essays, and even in a publication for the Scientific America and the Irish Central, which are big Irish news websites. And these articles are being spread all over the place and are actually quite um, easy to find and common. Right. And I do
3: think that the Scientific America article, they did come out with a revision uh, where they were like, hey, this information wasn't factual. We know that now. We've made edits to our article. Uh, But I mean, unfortunately, the internet is such a blessing and a curse in so many ways because it does allow us to share information and learn new things. But what else it allows for is the spread of this kind of misinformation so that yeah. a reputable outlet such as Scientific American can – even even they can get their wires crossed. Exactly. So if you look at that and you see um, – Uh, you see how even smart people are taking these things as fact, and then you think about about that idiot on Facebook who's seeing this. We saw this so much in the 2016 election, this spread of fake news, these fake articles, Pizzagate, fucking QAnon, like all of this shit. Oh, yeah. Well, and a lot
2: of these are on Stormfront too, which is like a Trump supporter's favorite website, you know?
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so – it it's just in the wrong hands. Yeah. People are not looking for the truth. They're looking for something that can validate their worldview. And
2: this does that for a lot of people. Yeah. I agree. I couldn't agree more. And I mean, that is kind of, I think the reason that all of this started because for me, a big thing was I was trying to figure out, I was like, why Like, why did this need to start? Why did this need to happen? And, um, you know, I think a lot of it is a lot of misreading of certain historical texts from other places that maybe did use the word slavery. Um, I think it's also, you know, there's, there's this professor named Brian Fanning who says widespread acceptance online of false equivalents between chattel slavery and the treatment of Irish migrants appears to be rooted in Irish narratives of victimhood that continue to be articulated within Ireland's culture and political mainstreams. Irish people's history has embraced both a legacy of identification with the oppressed and elements of racism in the service of Irish nationalism. Um, and... He also goes on to speak about a lot of what you said, which is in the beginning of this episode where you feel that it's being used as a weapon to uh, diminish the uh, feelings of the African-American slaves. And it's true that in Ireland, like that's even, it's hurtful for them. They're like, that's not, that wasn't the point of anything. We don't want that.
3: Yeah. And I, I was going to point that out as well, is that, um... I think it was in our intersectionality episode we discussed how easy and how much it is actually human nature to relate to or point, th- point to the things that make you oppressed, right? Yes. Like it's it's very easy to point to those things. It's much more difficult to accept the ways in which you are privileged. Yes. Like that's just the truth. It's the way that we operate. We have to um, consciously make an effort
2: to uh, see the ways in which we are privileged. And I think- I agree. And I think I think definitely um, when it comes to something like slavery, which was so horrible, I think that a lot of people, it's almost like they want to be able to identify because they feel bad. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's almost like you don't want someone to feel like they're the only ones that went through- Pain, so you're like, and I'm not saying that it's used all the time with slavery, but I'm saying this when I hear when it's like, oh my, oh my gosh, I had kidney stones and it was the worst thing ever. Oh my gosh, I know what it's like. I had right in some gallbladder
3: surgery. In some ways, you I know, it's feel that feel thing like, that people do.
2: Yeah, they want to relate.
3: I think that that does exist. Uh, for me, though, I feel like this particular thing. I think it is more of a. Well, look how much, look how well we're doing, and we were treated just as badly. So it's you being exactly. lazy. Exactly. It's, it's you not doing enough. It's the black. You're community. not. You're not
2: working hard enough to move on. Or why are you still talking about this when it's been so long and you don't see us doing the same thing?
3: Right, and not wanting to accept that not only was chattel slavery in itself something horrific and much worse than even indentured servitude, which was bad enough. Yeah. Uh, But – it also had lasting repercussions that led to Jim Crow, that led to redlining, that led to mm-hmm. disenfranchisement of black Americans, and the reverberations of that continue to this day. And yeah, exactly. And it's not wanting to recognize that or accept yeah. that. And it's a way of silencing um, a, a whole community, essentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really think that that's what it is, and I also think it is I simultaneously- agree. Needing to participate in this kind of victimhood, yeah. um, because I don't know what makes them
2: special. Like, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, you know? I don't know. Yeah, I think I think as weird as it sounds, I think a lot of times it is to make them feel special. I think it is to because people people want to want to be special, and unfortunately, we do praise. Uh, people who have gone through tragedy and things like that. So I can see why if somebody did want to feel just as special, maybe coming out of Black History Month and going into St. Patrick's Day, oh, look, my ancestors went through something horrible as well. That doesn't seem like such a far stretch for me, for people right. to
3: yeah, I think Right. That yeah. I think that that's probably a big part of it is just yeah. that needing to... Um, have suffered because I think in our society, especially even with people who are privileged, we try and find ways in which they're like, oh, they picked themselves up. They did it themselves and like yeah. all of this stuff we Pick admire. Pick up by their bootstraps. Yeah. We admire that so much in American yeah. culture and society that yeah. I feel like the more people can ingrain that or weave that into their story, uh, it somehow makes them like stronger or better. And I'm well, not it saying- makes them more interesting. Yes. Or, and yeah. I'm not saying that that's not true because I do think, look, I, I think being able to point to your culture and like see uh, the things that Maybe had like disenfranchised your people that you have managed to rise out of. Yeah, like, I love those T-shirts that like are very popular with Black people uh, that say "I'm my ancestor's greatest dream" or whatever. Oh, I love that because it is. It, there is something about like your people managed to endure. All so of these much. hardships for you to be able to have this life, and you should be able to acknowledge that and yeah. celebrate that. Like that's wonderful, but don't do it at the expense of another culture or another group yeah. of people, or don't exactly um, devalue like the things that they went through in order to build yourself up. It's not necessary. It's not exactly. the
2: oppression Olympics, <laughs> exactly. But a lot of people treat it as such. Yeah, I, I completely agree. What we said at the beginning is that both tragedies can simultaneously happen. And one can be seen as something completely different than the other because that's the whole point is that chattel slavery and indentured servitude was completely different. So next time you hear somebody saying that it was the same or that the Irish went through something worse, now everybody has the information and uh, we can point to historical inaccuracies that people are trying to make true yeah, <laughs> to, and in order to argue our point. you yeah, know. And,
3: and you can have an intelligent conversation about it that doesn't devalue either experience. Exactly. Like- um, Liam Hogan said this continued misuse of Irish history devalues the real history there are libraries filled with all the bad things that actually did happen we don't need memes and these dodgy articles full of lies it's like and, exactly. and I think that's just putting it the best way that it could be put
2: where it's yep. just like we had we had real happened. tragedy yeah. yes yes there's real tragedy we don't need that to exists. make up we don't need to make up new tragedy bad shit already happened yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Whew. Well, this was a really fun one for me again to research, particularly coming from Ireland and having this be a lot about uh, around the time that the Haggardies came over to the U.S. That was kind of cool. Yeah, uh, I wanted especially on St. Patrick's Day. I definitely wanted to hear your take on it, being
3: like an Irish American, and like, it, yeah, you'd ever heard anything?
2: Or I know. have never, I have never had a family member say anything to me. I've never. That's never been part of my. History. You know what's weird anyway? Is like, I feel like people who have strong connections with
3: their Irish roots, like Anthony's family, um, he's only a couple of generations in. His grandparents, I think, came over from Ireland. Yeah. Uh, And I don't see this being a
2: topic of conversation in their family. Well, it could be, it could be especially because they came over. More recently, you said it yeah, was that's parents true. that came that's probably why because they they have more of an authentic Irish experience where my yes. family has been here for so long that we are very much Irish American, so our understanding of our history probably would have been closer to that of what we were talking about today, but I'm just saying I never heard anything like that growing mm-hmm. up from my family. Yeah, you know, yeah. I just knew them as drinkers and fighters and loud. That's it. Fun, 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 fun. Oh uh, yeah, they're pretty fun. They're pretty crazy. <laughs> they're a good time on a on a vacation, you know. That's right. I love hanging out
3: with Anthony is half Irish, half Filipino, and they're both partiers, partying oh, yeah. groups of people,
2: and it's fun. <laughs> oh yeah. Irish Irish parties are crazy. I was born a little too late to experience more of the true Irish parties of my family, but my mom said that when she was dating my dad, they went to a funeral and there was um a full-on brawl, like fist fights blood it was crazy the fighting
3: aspect of it i'm i'm not sure i'm entirely on board with but the they get drinking, really drunk the drink really aspect drunk.
2: good times good yeah, times yeah i think i think the Haggertys just aren't very good drunks <laughs> i think that's one one takeaway except for me I, I don't have any problems with alcohol i think i'm one of the only non-alcoholics in my in my family line which congratulations. is congratulations thank you thank <laughs> you very proud of myself all right um everybody i want to know what you all Thought of this? What your experience is? Has anybody ever said anything to you? If you are a black American, what is your experience with all of this? Has anyone come at you and asked you or told you about, you know, the Irish slaves or anything like that? We want to hear your response to this episode. So email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on our Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can follow us there. Uh, we also have a Facebook business and group page. You can go ahead and rate and review us on that business page and chat with our fellow ragers in the group page. We need that extra support right now during these times, and that is a great place for you to go. Um, let's see. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. And it's been a while. You have nothing to do. Get that phone out right now and That's give right. us a five-star, right? <laughs> and it- just a quick sentence and you will be featured on Reviews Day Tuesday. It's simple, it's easy, and it makes us really happy. Um, also, if you don't already, go ahead and listen to us on Radio Public. It's a free way for you to listen and it helps us out just a little tiny, teeny, tiny bit. All right. That's all that we have for you today. With all of that being said, we encourage you to, to read. On. on. Bye.
1: Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were. And it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But...